So um, if this is your first time at Connect, welcome. My name's Dave. I'm the lead pastor. Um, if you've been coming for a while now, a uh, little update on the ankle. As you saw, I walked out there. I'm now on one crutch and I'm able to put weight on it. Yay. So uh, I was at the doctor last week and uh, yeah, we're getting there. She said to me, um, yeah, you can start to just walk in the boot. So uh, the only drawback is, um, unfortunately, I have a little bit of a medical condition where I don't like pain. And uh, it was a little bit painful at first, but I, uh, she said, you're going to have to just push through it because that's how your bone's going to heal. So uh, now it's not quite as painful and I'm not quite as much of a wuss. So we're getting there. But um, those of you who are new to Connect, okay, maybe you've just been coming the last couple of months or so, uh, you may not be aware of this, but I'm actually not from Washington originally. Uh, I didn't grow up here. No, I was uh, born in the uh, tropical island of Great Britain, uh, actually England, and uh, my wife and my kids and I were actually planning a trip back there in June. We're going to have a little summer vacation back with my family and friends, and we're looking forward to that. But I'm actually working on the, the schedule right now, and we're trying to make it work so that I can be back for a specific event that's going to take place while I'm back there, and that is my 30-year high school reunion. It's happening this June, yes, yeah, some friends of mine from school, and some of you are like, how can that be possible? How can, it? I know, it's crazy, it's because I left school when I was seven, so, um, but uh, I'm, uh, I, I'm in this group chat where they're talking about, you know, the arrangements, where we're going to meet, you know, we're actually going to go to the school and have a little lunch there and a tour to see how much the school's changed, and so uh, it's going to be quite cool, but in this chat, as we're organizing things, people are sharing stories and anecdotes, and it's like this vault has, that's been closed for years is cracking open, and all these memories are pouring out. And uh, just recently, there was a conversation went on there, and they were like, do you remember um, Doggy Dinage? That was Mr. Dinage. They called him Doggy. Well, they didn't. We did, because that was his nickname. I'm not sure why. I don't know if he looked like a dog. Or I, I don't even remember. But I do remember that was his nickname. And they said, uh, do you remember him? And the others were like, yeah. And they're like, do you remember how sometimes in math class, uh, when he would turn to face the board, we would get our fountain pens, our fountain ink pens, and we would flick ink on the back of his jacket? I know, I know, awful. Some of you are thinking, Dave, that's shocking. What a horrible kid you were. I was. It was terrible that I was part of this group that would do that. Some of you are thinking, fountain pens? Did you go to Hogwarts in like the 17th century or something? We did. We used fountain pens. Now, they weren't like feathers that you dipped in ink, but they were ink pens that had cartridges that you screwed in, and uh, those are the pens we used at this school. So, But the, uh, the most crazy thing as we're having these conversations is that someone else will join in the chat, and they'll be like, hey, everyone, uh, welcome Mark Bushel. He's back. He's in the group, and he's planning on coming. And I'll see this name, and I'm like, I totally remember him. He was like one of my best friends, and until his name appears in the chat, I've not thought about him in 20-plus years. And it's just so bizarre that this online chat to prepare for this reunion is taking me back to this time in my life where these kids were my best friends, and now I don't even give them a second thought. Now, obviously, time plays a big factor in that. Uh, distance, we all went our separate ways. My way involves me traveling 4,000 miles uh, in a westerly direction. But, uh, so that's kind of natural. But as we close out this series, talking about transforming areas of our life, I wonder if there are some relationships that you could think of this morning um, that maybe aren't 30 years old, but have suffered 
in the last few weeks or months of your lives, maybe broken relationships that you can think of that you think, man, I wish I was still in touch with that person or I wish we were still as close as we once were. And I want to actually speak in this closing message on transform about what it would look like to transform the relationships in our lives. You see, maybe it's a friendship that was shattered because of some broken trust or a family relationship that was damaged because of something hurtful that someone said. Maybe it's a marriage here this morning that's cracking or already destroyed. But what if there was a way to identify what it is that causes the harm in these relationships? What if we could kind of figure out what that is? And then what if moving forwards we could figure out how to um, avoid that? Maybe transform that area of our lives. As Valentine's Day approaches, it's really going to shine that, 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 that light, isn't it, on those relationships in our lives. And for some, it's going to be a, a joyous occasion. For others, it's going to be a, a difficult week. But throughout this series, we've, we've kind of followed this theme, this, this idea that Paul wrote to the church in Rome. In Romans chapter 12, he said this. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So this morning, as we close out this, this series, you know, broken relationships, they are very much a pattern of this world. So how can we renew our minds so that we can transform the relationships in our lives? So the way I want to kind of look at this this morning is I want to go back to the, the very first relationship that we read about in the Bible. A relationship between a, a couple, Adam and Eve. Because in that creation story, there wasn't just a relationship between them. They had a relationship with God as well. And when God created this entire um, universe and this relationship right here, he created it perfectly. It was a, it was a beautiful relationship. And Adam and Eve were, uh, were given free will to choose whether they could do the right thing or the wrong thing. That's kind of why um, I think it's awesome because God didn't make them like uh, robots where they had no say. He actually gave them free will. But unfortunately, in giving them free will, that means that they could not only choose to do the right things um, in the garden, but they could also choose to do the wrong things. And that choice we read in Genesis was that the, they shouldn't eat from a particular tree. And unfortunately, they, they made the wrong decision we discover that that relationship back in the very beginning was broken. That it started out as mad love, but then it ended up as bad blood. Hey, it's Taylor Swift, not uh, the Bible. But we're going to discover this morning that, that this bad blood, it came from three fundamental fears that, that cropped up in Adam and Eve's lives that I feel like are still cropping up in our relationships today. As we take a look at what happened to Adam and Eve, I think we're going to see some parallels in our own lives. Because after Adam and Eve made that wrong decision, the Bible says something called sin entered the world and this beautiful, perfect creation that God had put in place was now broken and damaged. And it created these three fundamental fears in the relationship between Adam and Eve and in their relationship with God. And I think we're going to see that those fears still exist in our relationships today. The first fear that cropped up in the lives of Adam and Eve was the fear of exposure. The fear of exposure. Think about that this morning in the context of your relationship. How are you when, when people get close to you, when they can see you, warts and all? 
I think probably we struggle because the closer people get, um, the more they can see my blemishes, the more they can see my mistakes, my faults, my failures, my weaknesses. And that can be pretty scary, can't it? So, so what many of us do is we hide. We hide. We keep our spouse, we keep our friends, we keep our coworkers at arm's length because we're afraid that if they come to know us the way we know ourselves, they won't like what they see. And that's what happened with Adam and Eve. When they messed up, when they made the wrong choice, when they did the one thing that God told them not to do, the very first thing they did was they hid. Genesis 3, verses 9 and 10 says this, And the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. And when it comes to the fear of exposure, it doesn't really get any bigger than that, that fear. I was afraid because I was naked. I mean, that's the stuff of terrible nightmares, isn't it? Have you ever had that dream where, you know, you're, you're at school or you're about at work, maybe doing a big presentation, and you suddenly look down, and you realize that everyone in the room's dressed, but you've got no pants on, or you're naked? I, no, I haven't either. I'm just, I've heard that some people do have that dream, but... Um, Maybe tonight you'll have that dream and you'll be like, Dave, Jane, I, I know I dreamt that because you put that in my head this morning. But it taps into the fear not of being exposed physically, although that is a fear. I think it taps into that idea that every one of us is afraid of that exposure, that, afraid, that fear of if people knew what we were really like, if people knew what we choose to keep hidden. And that's how we battle that fear, isn't it? We hide. Adam and Eve hid among the trees. So how do we hide? Well, I think some of us hide behind humor. We're the funny guy. We're the, the class clown. The, we're the people that laugh, you know, that create laughter as a kind of a barrier there. Some of us hide behind an image. We have the right clothes, the right hair. We drive the right car. All of this right stuff, it covers up. It hides our insecurities. Some of us hide behind just this manufactured confidence. We're the tough guy. We're the tough girl. We've, we've got everything together. Never let them see your sweat. Never let them see you cry. I've got this tough exterior. Some of us, many of us, I think, in fact, hide behind social media. I mean, let's be honest here just for a minute. The life our Facebook account portrays is a hundred times better than our real life, isn't it? Because we just put the highlight reel up. We put all the great moments up. And some of us hide behind that. If you look at the people you follow on Instagram, you'd conclude that all they ever do is have fun and live wonderful lives. But social media is not real life. That fear of exposure, it causes us to hide. And I wonder if this morning there's something you're hiding or hiding from because of fear. When we're afraid of nakedness or vulnerability or of being open, our fear of exposure, it can make us distant and it can affect our relationships. It affected the relationship between Adam and Eve and God. And today it can affect the relationships between us and our spouse, our family, and our friends. The second fear that um, Adam and Eve encountered was the, the fear of disapproval. As soon as they knew that they'd messed up, as soon as they knew that they'd done something wrong, not only did they hide because they were afraid of, of, of exposing what they'd done, I think they hid because they knew that God would disapprove of what they'd done. 
That can be a big fear in our relationships, kind of that fear of disapproval. After being married for just two weeks, uh, Casey and I, we'd got married. We, uh, we went back to England, and we had kind of a reception there with some of my friends and family. Then we went off for a honeymoon in Europe, and then we finally came back to America about 10 days, two weeks later, and we, we were in our new home as a brand new married couple, and we had our very first home-cooked meal together. Casey had worked hard all day on, on making this wonderful meal for me that night. And uh, we sat down to eat, and she said, what do you think? Now, I was young, <laughs> newlywed, and uh, I, some foods in England are different than foods in America. And i kind of grown up used to some kind of foods. And, and this is one of those foods that maybe wasn't kind of my favorite kind of food. This would be more like an American. And uh, I just, I, I thought, you know, it would probably be good to let her know you know, that this isn't my favorite food that she's made, so I just did. <laughs> so don't attend the marriage class that I'll be leading here at any time soon, okay? But I, I will tell you this, that uh, fortunately, I have a very forgiving and gracious wife, and this week, this Wednesday, actually on Valentine's Day, we will be celebrating our 20-year anniversary. Yeah! Once we made it through that, we, uh, we did okay. So we've had some definitely ups and downs over the years. But uh, I, am, I, I love my wife. I love our relationship. In fact, she actually surprised me. So this coming week, it's, it's our anniversary and my birthday. So she surprised me last week. She took me to Chicago. We went to see a show. Um, she arranged for us to go out and eat at a really nice restaurant. Uh, that was not that unusual. We've gone out to eat every night since I told her that I didn't like that food she cooked. And <laughs> I'm just kidding. She's cooked lots more since then. And she's amazing. She's an incredible cook. Uh, cooks English and American food and does a great job with both. But um, what I realized in that moment, especially as I was preparing for that message, is, is how powerful disapproval can be in a relationship. In a married relationship, in a, a relationship between friends, in a relationship between even co-workers. Because we don't want to let people down. We don't want to realize that we've done something wrong. And here's where the danger is. It's not just in the disapproval, but it's how we respond then in that moment. Listen to what happens to Adam and Eve. They knew they'd let God down. But listen to how they responded when God showed up. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 12 and 13, it says that God was moving through the garden looking for Adam and Eve. And when he finally found them, because they were hiding, he asked, what's going on? The man replied, it was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit, and I ate it. And the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? She said, the serpent deceived me. She replied, that's why I ate it. Do you know that when we, we have this fear of, of disapproval, we get defensive, we move from simply hiding and covering up to being defensive. We actually start to attack other people back. We're not just hiding now, we're hurling. We're not just excusing ourselves, we're accusing others. Eve, she blamed the snake. She said, hey God, it was the snake's fault. Adam doesn't just blame Eve, he blames God. Well, you put her here. You know, I think it's, this is big part of your fault. Instead of dealing with that fear of disapproval, we actually turn it around and we become offensive and attack and point fingers and get critical. And our fear of disapproval can harm our relationships the more defensive we get. In Adam and Eve's case, it actually led to this third fear, the fear of losing control. 
Because think about it here this morning. Wouldn't relationships be a lot easier? Wouldn't it just marriages and friendships? They would all just be so much easier if the other person just thought like me. Like if you just saw the world the way I see the world, that would solve all of our problems. Because the way I see it is the right way. But the problem is any relationship is made up of two different people. Two different people who have very different perspectives on, on what the world looks like and what life should be like. The one area that this can cause sometimes the the biggest contention, the biggest problems is in marriage. There's a church that's doing a series that I saw and it's on marriage and this is the video that they use to kind of open up their series. Check out this video. We're brought here today by the love that Sarah and Davis have for each other. I can't believe I get to marry him. We're perfectly compatible in every way. Yeah, she just gets me, man. Someone to talk to all night long. Someone to talk to all night long. Early morning jogs. Sleeping in late. We'll spend the holidays with my parents. We'll spend the holidays with my parents. We'll have one well-behaved daughter. We'll have four or five little dudes running around. He'll help me pay off my debt. I should probably tell her about all my debt. Is that important? We'll share a bank account. Obviously, we're going to share a Facebook account. (laughs) Do I need a friend my in-laws? Someone to do my laundry. Someone to do my laundry. Double income. Stay at home, dad. Meal planning, of course. Take out. The city. The burbs. Mission trip. Ski trip. Blue. Red. Cat. Dog. Fries. Rings. Potato. Potato. Minivan. Motorcycle. Two words. Finished basement. Two words. Man cave. Ah, oh, he's so smart. Do you think that birds wish that they had hands? We're going to be so happy. We'll be so happy. I'm going to crush it at being a husband. You know, any of you here this morning who have been married for any amount of time will realize that one of the challenges that we face as couples is the longer we're married, the more we realize that maybe our expectations are different in certain areas. And And the challenge is that it would be very easy to navigate those differences if I was always in control and my way was always the way. But it doesn't work like that. And unfortunately, that that brokenness, that that difference there, that came about through Adam and Eve. Listen to what it says in Genesis 3.16. It says that as a result of what they've done, God said to Eve, your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. He's actually describing not what was intended for his creation to be, but the consequences of sin. Humans who were designed to live in equal, loving partnerships with one another are now mired in this confusion of conflict and and power struggles and, and control issues. And relationships, instead of being ones that prefer one another and are on equal footing, now become these struggles and these fights. In the New Testament, Jesus and then Paul talk a lot about love and about preferring one another. This is the complete opposite of control. So these three fears that affected Adam and Eve, the fear of exposure, people seeing what I'm really like, the fear of disapproval, me, me messing up and letting someone down, the fear of losing control, these things happen systematically throughout Adam and Eve's relationship with one another and with God. But I think as we look at them, we can see that they're actually showing up in our relationships as well. So how do we conquer them? How do we conquer these fears in our relationships? I'll be honest, I'm not sure that we can. But I believe that God can. 
I believe that God can help us to conquer these in our lives. I believe this because of what I read written by Jesus and the New Testament writers. Listen to what one of the apostles, the Apostle John, one of the disciples wrote in 1 John chapter 4. Verses 16 and 18, he said this. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. There is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. This is the truth that we need to grab a hold of today if we're going to see our relationships transformed. Wherever God's love is, there is no fear there. His perfect love drives out fear. The antidote to the the fear that harms our relationship is the love of God. God's love drives out my fear of exposure because God knows everything there is to know about me. And he still loves me. Do you know, the Bible actually says that God knows the number of hairs on your head. Now, for me, that's not that remarkable. But for some of you, that's incredible. That's miraculous. God knows everything there is to know about you. And he still loves you. He loves you so much. That that takes away that fear of exposure because God's seen everything. God knows exactly who you are. You've been completely exposed in front of him, and he loves you still. God's love will drive out your fear of disapproval because God accepts you for who you are. He doesn't just love you. He accepts you for who you are. Listen to this. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still, that's the love of God, that while we were still sinners, God didn't say, hey, I need you to clean up your act. I need you to get everything in order. I need you to fix this, that, and this, and then I'll love you. It says that whilst we were still in a broken, messed up way, God sent Christ to die for us because he loves us so much. God's love can drive out your fear of disapproval because God accepts you the way you are. God's love drives out my fear of losing control because his love is secure. Here's the problem with control. Our our fear of losing control is is driven by this this idea, well, what, what would happen if I allowed someone else control of my life? What if they abuse that control? What if they hurt me? What if they don't allow me to have my way? We can trust God because he loves us so much that if we're willing to give him the control of our lives, he will give us the best life imaginable. Some of us enjoy coming to church, enjoy hanging around church, but we've still not yet come to that point of stepping over that line saying, God, I want you to have control of my life because we're afraid of losing control. But if there is anyone that you can trust To lose control too, it is the God that loves you so much. Listen to how much God loves you. Paul describes it here as he's writing to the church in Rome. He says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our laws. Nothing can separate you from God's love. You can never lose it. 
It will always be there. We all need to be loved like that because that's the kind of love that drives out fear. And here's the good news this morning is that you are loved like that. Don't look to the relationships in your life, damaged and broken as they are. Look to the relationship with this God who loves you and there's nothing that can separate you from that love. You are perfectly loved, deeply loved, eternally loved because wherever God's love is, there is no fear there. His perfect love drives out fear. God's love is actually the antidote to those three fundamental fears that many of us see damaging and destroying the potential in our relationships. It's God's love that wants to come and fix that. So if we want our relationships to be transformed, what do we need to do? We need to get God's love into those relationships. We need God's love to be a part of those relationships. The first way we do that is is personal. Before we even try and work on the people in our lives, we need to accept God's love in our lives. We need to accept that God loves us. Every morning we need to embrace that truth that, that God accepts me completely. He accepts me for who I am. That God forgives me totally. That God considers me extremely valuable. Have you accepted those truths today? Because they are true for you today. Do you remember at the beginning of this series, we talked about this idea that the further we get away from God, the more we'll find ourselves conforming. But the closer we get to God, the more we'll be transformed. The closer we get to God, the more we understand how much he loves us, the more our lives will be transformed. You know, if you want to transform the relationships in your life, you need to allow God to transform your life through his love. So accept God's love. And then once you've accepted God's love, the second thing is that you're in a position now to offer God's love. If you've truly accepted God's love in your life, now you're in a place to be able to offer God's love. Jesus said in John 13, 34, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Jesus is saying, you're to love one another. You wanna know how? In the same way that I've loved you. As you've accepted God's love, you've now gotta share God's love with others. That's not an option, it's not a suggestion. We are called to love the people in our lives the way Christ loves us. So you remember I just said that God accepts me completely? We are to accept the friends and the family and the loved ones in our life completely. God forgives me totally. We have to come to a place where we are willing to forgive them totally when they, they do wrong by us. God considers me extremely valuable. We need to consider them, our spouses, our loved ones, our friends, our neighbors, we need to consider them extremely valuable. We are to bring God's love into this relationship. So let me ask you to think again about that relationship in your life that needs to be transformed. When I started off this morning talking about transforming relationships, maybe there was a relationship that came to your mind. It could be your mom or your dad. It could be with your spouse, a brother, a sister, a friend. Maybe it's a neighbor or a coworker. But you, you knew that if it comes to transforming relationships, there's a specific relationship in your life right now that really could do with being transformed. 
What do you need to do today to bring God's love into that relationship? As you've accepted God's love into your life, what do you need to do to, tr- to, to give that love to others? So many of our relationships start off in paradise and end up in bad blood. Because like Adam and Eve, we've all sinned. We've broken everything. But Jesus wasn't willing to let that bad blood rule the day. Instead, he chose, as we remembered earlier when we took communion, he chose to shed his own blood so that you and I would never have to live a single day afraid. Because you see, fear threatens to damage and destroy our relationships, but God's perfect love can transform them. Love really does conquer all. So may we accept God's love and then carry that love into every one of our relationships and watch them transform. I hope over the last few weeks, You've been challenged to look into areas of your life that need transformation, whether it's your health, your spiritual health, your physical health, your relationships, your worship. We've looked at several different areas. What are you doing to say, God, I don't want to conform to the patterns of this world. I want my life to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. Maybe this week, as love is being blasted out in stores and Facebook and everywhere we go because it's Valentine's Day, It'll remind us to accept the great love that God has for us and to share that love with the others in our life to help our relationships. Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful that you loved us before we loved you, that you, before we even saw change in our lives, you still loved us. While we were still sinners, You sent Jesus to die for us. That's a very humbling truth to be aware of this morning. And we thank you so much, Lord, that you love us so much. Father, I pray that every one of us would find a way to accept that love in our lives, that that love would change who we are. And as we accept that love, I pray, Lord, we would find ways to then share your love with others in our lives, whether it's our spouse, our neighbors, our friends, our loved ones that we would see our relationships transformed out of our commitment, Lord, to share your love with others. Help us in this, I pray, in Jesus' name.